0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
1: With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption and logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on Logistics Insights at maersk.com slash insights. It's not about the corner office. It's not about the fancy title. It's not even about the extra money. Responsible leadership is about taking care of those who choose to follow you, and that care takes on many forms. This podcast is dedicated to bringing you the best guests, with the best advice to help you succeed in that endeavor. The Responsible Leadership Podcast is a production of The Leadership Phalanx. To find out more about me and what I do, visit leadershipphalanx.com. That's leadership, P-H-A-L-A-N-X.com. And now, on to today's show. Today's guest is Leslie Short. Leslie is owner of the Kavu Group and a diversity, equity, and inclusion strategist. She has an accomplished background that includes running marketing and PR for Fubu, serving as corporate operating strategist for Blueprint Plus Company, and starting several successful international businesses. Leslie has been developing multicultural mosaic marketing and programming as far back as 1998. In her book, Expand Beyond Your Current Culture, and something we're going to talk about a lot in this uh, discussion today, she offers tips on how to think differently about diversity and inclusion to achieve a sustainable, diverse, and inclusive workplace. Now, folks, I had an outstanding conversation with Leslie around these topics, and I think you're going to love uh, her take and her point of view on diversity and inclusion and equity. It's something that uh, you've heard me talk about quite a bit on here. Uh, you know DE&I is really uh, one of my passion points because of that inextricable link between diversity, inclusion, equity, and leadership, which is my primary focus. Diversity, equity, and inclusion, when done right, does nothing more than strengthen the team and make you more successful. And Leslie and I, uh, I believe, do a really good job of bringing that out in this conversation. So if this is normally a topic that you maybe shy away from or you're tired of hearing about, I'm going to ask you, please go ahead, keep listening to this conversation. I think you're going to hear a slightly different take than most people take on it. And uh, yeah, I don't think you can help but buy in. So with that, Join me in welcoming Leslie Short to the Responsible Leadership Podcast. Leslie, thanks for being with us.
0: Thank you, Earl. I'm excited to be with you today.
1: Oh, me as well. I mean, this is just going to be a a great conversation. Uh, You know, my listeners know I do my due diligence and, and, uh, you know, watching the videos and seeing some of the things you've done. This is going to be a high, high energy uh, next 40, 45 minutes. So listeners, Uh, strap in. Um, (laughs) Before we get into that uh, high-octane portion here, uh, let me go ahead and kind of spark that uh, fuel a little bit with the first question I ask all of my guests. When you hear the phrase responsible leadership, what does that look like to you?
0: I wish there was more of it, Um, (laughs) number one. Mm -hmm. Two, it means you need to understand who you are as a leader. Like Everyone loves to say they're part of the leadership team. But do they actually lead and do they know who they are as leaders? And I mean their strengths, their weaknesses. And then do they understand their purpose of leading and who they are leading and what their strengths and weaknesses are and how do you build it together? Because I think that is the lack of responsibility in leadership today. Everyone loves the title. No one wants to actually do the work to figure out what it really means to lead.
1: Mm. No, well said, well said. I I love that. And again, that 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 piece there about, you know, a lot of people want the title. Um, I I'm a big fan. I was a big bodybuilding fan when my in my younger days. And uh, there's a one of the all time greats, Ronnie Coleman. He used to say, everybody wants to be a bodybuilder, but nobody wants to lift the weights. <laughs> and Absolutely. it's yeah, it's the same thing here, right? Everybody wants to be a leader. They see the cars, they see the offices, they see all the perks and all that, but. Mm-hmm. They don't really get that that there's a lot of weight to lift to to make that a success, right?
0: There's work to be done. And there's internal work to be done as well as external work to be done. And, you know, it's the same thing, you know, when we're speaking about diversity, equity, inclusion. Oh, I want to be part of it. But then when I say, okay, let's examine, let's pull back the curtain, everyone goes, oh, oh, that's work? Oh, we have to do that? We just can't say we do it? No, you cannot just say you do it. (laughs) It's work.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well it, yeah, it's work and it's it's hard work, right? I mean, because, you know, and I'll be honest, you know, I, I do some diversity and inclusion uh work myself and uh you know I, I'm still susceptible to it. Uh, you know, I remember, you know, when really heavily a few years ago, uh, you know, the term white privilege started getting used a lot more. And I was one of those people at the beginning, and I'm like, look, I grew up uh dirt floor poor, northeast Tennessee, didn't have two nickels to rub together, and when I did they were already spoken for by somebody else. I didn't have no privilege growing up, but that's not what it was about, right? Right,
0: right. And that's the thing. I, I sometimes I'll start off my speaking engagement saying, "My name is Leslie Short. I'm an African American woman, and I have a ridiculous amount of privilege, right. and I do. And I and it's from and it's from both. sense. I was blessed enough to be raised from a family that I never had to want anything or think about anything, it was there." But I also have had the privilege of opportunity and the privilege to have the talent to take those opportunities. So I always say this privilege and this privilege is. And when we speak about white privilege, um, it's understanding that the, the, your skin tone allows you a certain privilege before you ever open your mouth. Mm-hmm. And that's where people were confused because when that word privilege and I do a, a complete uh, workshop on privilege is such a trigger. And because people think of money and privilege is not about money. There's privilege. We all have privilege. We woke up today. We were blessed enough to wake up today. Then you are privileged. Right. If you had a roof, if you had some food, if you have clothes, all of those are privileges. Now with privilege comes privileges. And that's the different word is all the privileges that come with different things and how you build those privileges on top of the privilege that you
1: have. Yeah. Now, and, and just to kind of reinforce this right off the bat with, with listeners, you know, I mentioned in your bio, some of the, the, the things you've done as a dancer, some of the companies that you've, uh, you've started internationally, you know, you're, you're not talking just from a U.S.-based perspective, are you?
0: No, not at all. I mean, I lived out of the United States for 13 and a half years. Um, base was Paris. But I was in Vienna and Denmark and Austria and Japan and Germany and um, and I was there living. And so the difference is, and I always say that, yes, you can go and you tour and I think everyone should travel as much as you can. I don't care what age you are, what color you are, just go travel. The world is amazing. But living in these countries... Um, nine out of 10 as the only or very few black women, unless you were on some type of army, Navy, you know, military base. Mm -hmm. Um, I couldn't tell a country to adjust to who I was. I had to learn how to culturally adjust to them and help them understand how to culturally adjust to me as well as we moved along. And so it's building understanding culture from a perspective of, um, understanding.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, a hundred percent. You know, I, I've not had the opportunity to, to travel and live in these places as extensively as you have. But, you know, as we were talking in the pre-show work up there, I, I lived a year in, in Okinawa, Japan when I was in the Marines. And, you know, it was one of those things like I, I remember very clearly being out in town. You know, I was maybe 19 and, and this is the first place I had lived outside of my hometown, Irwin, Tennessee. Ooh. Um but I remember being out in town and uh one of my one of my friends who was with me and he actually happened to be from New York, he got frustrated because we would go into restaurants and there weren't very many people there who who spoke English or at least as he put it spoke good English. It's like <laughs> why why don't they learn English? And even the 19 year old, fresh eyed to the world me looked at him and said, because we're in their country, guy.
0: <laughs> how about that? How about, and how about they do speak English and they learn English as most countries outside of America does?
1: Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and that's the one thing that I noticed, again. In my limited and 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 you know, I'm curious what your experiences were there. But you know, when when folks are traveling, like take the time to to even if you butcher it, they're going to appreciate the fact that you made an effort to try to be with them instead of forcing them to be with you, right?
0: Absolutely, I always say learn five words. Thank you, hello, goodbye, please, where is, you know, (laughs) that phrase, Um, and with the thank you after that. All anyone wants, whether it's in a different country or you walk into a job, right, is for someone to recognize where you are and respect where you are. And I, you know, a smile, And a point pointed finger will go a very long way. I remember being in bakeries and smiling and pointing and then still being frustrated with me, but at least me trying and saying thank you in whatever language I was in. And they would be shocked that I even just made an effort.
1: Yeah. And that's a tragedy, right? I mean, I think that tells you a lot about uh, uh, about your average American when, when the international scene is so shocked that you make an effort, right?
0: It is sad. <laughs> <laughs> and because, again, most countries do speak English, they may be shy because they haven't spoken it in a long time or they haven't practiced it. But trust me, they will nine out of 10 speak more English than we will ever speak their language.
1: Oh, yeah. No, <laughs> I I remember and I think you'll get a chuckle out of this story. Um, you know, I, I I grew up in the 90s and uh, well, I should say I was in high school in the 90s. And uh, it was when the whole Bosnia incident was going on. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we had a, a, a refugee family come to my hometown, one of the local churches had sponsored them and brought them in. And I still remember the, the daughter. I took German in high school, and uh, the daughter was in the German class because that was, you know, a language that she knew uh, fairly well. Yeah. And so she was sharing her story, but she was trying to, to share it in English. And I remember her stumbling and she breaks down in tears and she's apologizing to the class. You know, uh, I, I'm sorry, you know, in, in very broken English, my, my English, not so good. And, and I looked at her, you know, because I wanted to try to cheer her up a little bit. And I was like, eh, don't worry, you're in Northeast Tennessee. Our English ain't so good either.
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right.
1: And, and, you know, it, it, it helped out a little bit there and calmed her down. And, and she was able to share her story, which was kind of eye opening of of the stuff that her and her family had been through. but. But I think that's the point, you know, kind of tying this all back into the DE&I space, right? Mm -hmm. I think that's really the the basic point of diversity, equity, and inclusion is people just want you to see them, right?
0: Yes. Yes. Who, I want you to see me for who I am, not for what you perceive me to be or what you think my culture um, is. Because if we all looked at just film or TV to say that culture looks like this or has that, we're all going to be very disappointed. (laughs) And unless you see the individual, you are actually blocking yourself. I mean, I have a whole session, it's called what's in your bag. And that means you need to examine yourself to understand why you see other people the way that you see them. Now, clearly it may be through experience or community, the way you grow up, you may have had a bad experience. You may have had a great experience. The fact of the matter is you can't judge everyone by that one experience. Now, of course, we're also going to be cautious. I'm not in a fairy tale land of, you know, poppy seeds and, <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. sunshine. The reality, but the reality is, is you must take everyone as an individual and you must look at each group as, um, there's differences everywhere. And how do we celebrate the differences and not
1: use them against us? Right, a hundred percent. No, and, and I think that's so important because I think people people gloss over that because the introspection piece is so difficult to really pull off. And 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 what you're saying is, and again, this is what I, I'm loving this conversation because there's a lot of alignment in what what you talk about and what uh, what we talk about here when it comes to diversity inclusion is it's not. It's not bad to have the thought as long as you follow it up with why and you come to grips with the why.
0: It's always about the why. I love that you said that. Always about the
1: why. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, because some of these things that are ingrained in us, I mean, uh, if you've, you know, um, Daniel Kahneman in his book, Thinking Fast and Slow, established fairly well, you know, how humans think. A lot of these things that we that make us afraid when we see somebody walking up behind us at an atm at, in the middle of the night those are mechanisms that are ingrained for safety they're they're not based in, in necessarily in race or or any type of ne- of prejudice they're there for safety reasons right mm-hmm. but it's it's when when you see who the person is does it make you think differently and if so why and, I mean, and go ahead
0: no i'm sorry i'm so sorry for cutting you off go, go ahead.
1: Well, no, no, I was just going to say, and, and, and that's the big question, as you just said there, the important question, we, we need to really get people to ask that question. Why do I feel this way?
0: Absolutely. You know, and I've had the, the experiences, you know, in a formal ball gown at a private event in a restroom where someone clutched their bag when they saw me walk in, in a ball gown at a private event, the tickets were around $100,000. So clearly I wasn't there by accident. But the natural reaction was for this woman to clutch her bag. Now, what experience did she have? I have no idea. Was it warranted at that moment? Absolutely not, but I can't say, I don't know her experience. My reaction was to smile and keep moving. In my head, I was like, for real? Seriously? This is what we're doing tonight? But I also understood the situation. Now, it can be frustrating on both sides, but that's where we have to go, not only ask yourself the why on one side, ask yourself the why did they react that way?
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, 100%. And, you know, I've shared this story on here before. And, and uh, you know, it, it happened to me in boot camp. Again, my first time being out of 99.999% white Northeast Tennessee small town. And all of a sudden I'm, I'm immersed in nothing but people who don't look like me. <laughs> Uh, you know, different religions, different uh, races, different ethnicities, different, you know, locations, accents, the whole, it was a sensory overload. Um, but you know, I remember we were doing a field day one time and then, you know, it's just, you know, for the folks who aren't aware, that's, uh, basically just a deep cleaning of the barracks. We did it every week, uh, to keep things, uh, spick and span and I'm doing what we did where I come from. I'm working and, and I'm whistling Dixie and, uh, you know, this is maybe two or three weeks into boot camp, and I have, uh, uh, you know, a black recruit comes over to me, and he he just looks at me, and he goes, "So, are you racist?" And I'm like, "No, why?" And he goes, "Well, this is what that song means to me." And we had the conversation about it, and I was like, "Hey, I had no clue. This is what we did where I come from. I apologize, and I made a conscious effort to, you know, I would fill the the need to do it because it was a, a habit." But I had meant to make a conscious effort to not do that because I didn't want him to feel that way.
0: And you don't know sometimes until you know, right? Right. And so that's where the word grace comes into it. And I I use this word a lot this year by giving grace to someone because we're so determined. For some reason, we thought a a switch was going to flip after the George Floyd murder. And everyone was just going to get in line and be there for equity and for inclusion and for diversity and for all that other stuff. And that's just not reality. We need to give grace. And that means you have to understand, take a moment to understand that someone knows what they know, that you know what you know. But when you make a conscious effort, as you said, to say that is hurting someone or can damage someone, I don't want to be that person to do that. So I need to shift my thinking or my habit into a new habit. But that takes time and that takes work. Again, we keep coming back to that word work. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I hate, hate to break it to everybody. Everything we do, there's some work and investment um, and responsibility, as you said, what's a responsible leader? Are you a responsible human being?
1: Yeah, 100%. And and by extension, we have to be responsible organizations that take this serious and build that type of culture, right?
0: Yes. Because culture is not just, you know, if you've listened to me, you've heard me say a ping pong table, some beer, some wine, and a donut. And I'll never turn down a donut and a glass of good wine. But that is not creating company culture. Culture is understanding who you have within that space and how do you make sure that they have equity which is access whether it's to raises whether it's to promotions whether it's to continuing education and how do what does inclusion look like and feel like and sound like not just saying oh we're an inclusive company what does that mean for someone that doesn't look like you walk like you sound like you
1: yeah and 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 the other thing is about culture that i think a lot of people don't get is is it's never a question of if you have a culture or not, it's what does the culture look like? Because you have one, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and so, what are um, what are some, I guess you could say, tips, if you will, uh, for organizations who really want to move their culture to be a little bit more DEI friendly?
0: Well, it has to be built in, into the foundation of an organization. It's not an add on. I think that's the first thing companies need to realize. DEI is not an add-on. You're not adding on people just for the heck. I'm the first person to say, don't hire anyone that's under the the diversity category if you're not ready to be inclusive. And that means, just so we're clear, Gender, race, LGBTQ plus, disability, sight, seen and unseen, and veterans. Even though I don't think veterans should be underneath that umbrella, that's where they are. I'm not going to fight that for this <laughs> for this podcast. <laughs> but I am absolutely going to say, if you are not prepared with the people that you have within already to understand that this is part of the foundation, then you should not be bringing anyone in because you can't plug someone in and think everyone we're human beings, get along, let's have fun. No, you have to build what is that equity? What is the assets for anyone in your company to be able to grow and to the employee that you really hope they will be one day? Because you don't want someone just to stay where they are. The whole point of hiring people is so that they continue to grow. At least that should be the reason that you see potential of them to continue to grow within that company um, and to invest um, their time and their energy into that. So therefore you need to look at the employees as human beings and not just as a check on a, I have black, I have somebody with disability. Ooh, 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 they're mixed. Look, I got two for one. Um, Because that's the way people were approaching this. There yep. has to be an investment into your employees and to their growth. And that is money. That is education. That is opportunity. And if they don't feel that that's there, that you're not seeing them, that they're not being recognized. And I'm not seeing with an award. How about a thank you? <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I, I love that. I mean, again, so, you know, listeners, uh, the, the, the book, uh, expand your current culture. Uh, chapter three is, is that, uh, check boxes aren't good enough. And, and I agree with that wholeheartedly because. I've ran into too many too many organizations where that's exactly it. What what Leslie just said, believe it or not, happens way more often than anybody would care to admit. Is is somehow, some way, somewhere, number crunchers get together and they 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 decide, hey, we want to, you know, we want to reach five uh, percent women in the workforce. We want to reach three uh, percent African Americans. We want to reach you know ten percent whatever, and they come up with these arbitrary numbers which are good at, at kind of moving the needle a little bit you're getting people access to the jobs on purpose but like like Leslie said it's it's not enough you, nobody wants to be hired just because they want to be hired because they have a purpose in the organization and when you hire and you just bring that person there and you say okay yeah you're our diversity hire that doesn't feel good to that person right
0: plus how are you retaining you can yeah. hire all day long. You know, part of what the cover group does, my agency, is we are now helping do certain recruitment because I'm exhausted of hearing you can't find people. Right. But what is the retention? So in order for me to work with you to recruit, I need to know that leadership is ready and to prepare the staff for retention, for inclusivity. <laughs> because, yes, hiring a diversity hire and saying you're the diversity hire what the devil does that mean? Yeah. No, thank you.
1: And, and the worst part about it is, and this is, you know, I've, I've talked about this concept before on the podcast here, the the, uh, the concept of finite and infinite games. <laughs> um, you know, Simon Sinek's made a bunch of money off of his book about it, but it goes back to a gentleman named James Kars. And, you know, the, the point of it is, is what Leslie and I are talking about here is the the danger with that is, is, So, yeah, let's say you reach your 5% goal and the next hiring action you have, people are going to get discounted because, well, you've reached your 5%. You've won. You've reached your finite goal. And and I think you'll agree with me here that the goal should always be to hire the best qualified person, period.
0: Period. Yeah. (laughs) Can we say it again?
1: (laughs) Period. Yeah. (laughs) But you also
0: have to... You know, the title of the book, expand beyond your current culture. Where are you looking for employees? You have to expand beyond that in order to always achieve maybe the best of the best. Because you are losing out because you're not taking the time, again, work, to actually find, to, to, to look beyond what's sitting in front of you. Yeah. Because that's your comfort zone.
1: So have have you seen, uh, ha- have you seen a, a shift in that thanks to the pandemic?
0: There is a shift. Yes, to answer that question, yes, there is a shift. Here's the issue again: the shift can't be a trend because it became a trend. Black women, we were hot. Woo, we can get hired anywhere, right? Right. Um, most of them have already left. Why? Because again the companies were not prepared to give equity, whether they were throwing money at people, but they were not giving assets. So you're hiring people for jobs, you're hiring someone from jobs, but they have no real spending power or or leadership power. They weren't always part of the C-suite. So that's cute until it's not cute when you're actually trying to execute and do the work. So if you're not prepared to make sure whatever level you're bringing in um, I hate to say diverse, bringing in diversity of thought and of culture <laughs> yeah. that you are prepared to make sure you can retain the talent that you're bringing in. Right. Because you can't I, set them up for failure by not giving them the proper tools they need for success.
1: I 100% agree. And I'm glad you brought up that cognitive diversity piece because that that right there, I I believe and you know maybe maybe you have a different point of view on this and that's fine uh but but i believe that that one is the most valuable piece uh because you know i've seen some organizations that have like visually ethnically racially diverse uh members but they all come from generally the same background they all come from generally the same education base they all come from generally uh, the same experiences and and cognitive diversity is is the thing that is going to get you to thinking outside the box it's the thing that is going to get you to innovation and sometimes that cognitive diversity piece is coming from the person who looks just like you but has had vastly different life experiences
0: yes yes we're not all monolithic for some reason everyone thinks everyone is exactly the same. So if you hire one, you can't hire another because they are going to think the same. Well, my experience is not the same experience as maybe the Black woman that's sitting next to me. Classical ballet dancer, you know, all lived in Europe, owned businesses, but that doesn't dismiss what that other woman is bringing because her experience may be just as golden, if not much more golden. And in order to it to expand your thought process within your company, your, I love, you say innovation, you know, everybody want to be, wants to be innovative, but no one wants to hire people that bring the thought of innovation in unless they look like them, sound like them or walk like them, because that's a comfort zone of whether what college you went to or a connection with, you know, a community or, and then you're missing out on your true innovative, opportunities within a company. Yeah. So if you're not prepared to to have conversations that may not always sound the same, but are, are pushing toward the main mission and goal, then I'm confused what you're doing, but it works for some. What <laughs> Does it? <laughs> I don't, I know, but- they they will say it does.
1: Right. Well, and, that, and I,
0: that famous they that I say don't use. but they will
1: say it does. Well, Yeah, no, I, I, but you're right. I mean, and I think that's that's a, a key piece is is too many organizations are kind of lying to themselves. You, you mentioned, uh, you know, George Floyd and, and you know, the Ahmaud Aubrey and, and, and all of these cases that we went through that that, as you mentioned, were a trend. You know, th- that wasn't the first time these things have happened. Uh, and it's not the last time that those things have happened, but there was uh maybe because it was the pandemic and everybody was kind of trapped in and glued to their TVs.
0: A hundred percent because of that.
1: Right. That, that sparked something in people. And there were a lot of, there are a lot of these initiatives that, that sprung up because they felt good in a moment. But when you believe it and you live it, it's not something that, that happens for a PR purpose, it's something that happens because it's 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 who you are, right? Yes.
0: It's part of your DNA. You know, I've been working with a client for two years before George Floyd. And this past week, I don't even know what week I'm in anymore. Um, <laughs> it all came together. Everything we've been working for in the last two years came together as part of this award show. Now, were there things that still could have been better? 100% was the the intention for inclusivity and diversity and disability. All those things were there. And someone came to me and said, they're all organically, perfectly aligned. I hope you see the work you've been doing with this company for two years because tonight you get to see it. Mm. And I was so in the moment of making, you know, you make things happen that I hadn't taken the step back. But someone who was producing the show, Came and said, "After today, you get to see what your work is doing." Mm.
1: And and that's that's the payoff right there, right?
0: And it wasn't easy, but <laughs> and it's yeah. not finished. Right, it's not finished. But for all these companies that took that pledge, like you said, after the George Floyd, after after every after every person that lost their life, that is still losing their life, that took this pledge that I want to be part of this, more than half of them have pulled out Mm. because they said when it was time to do the work again, you know, everyone goes, what is the work? That work is examining. That work is peeling back. It's going behind the curtain. It's actually having to view how do you make a shift and your thinking and your hiring and your payment and your advancement and all of those things. And if you're not willing to do that, then most of people have put have that raised their hands have put their hands down, are slowly trying to back out the door. Yeah,
1: yeah, no, and that goes back to that finite infinite uh, games thing, right? Is is you know this is one of those things hiring diversity inclusion um, and and making people feel like they belong as part of the organization. There's not a point where you can get to where you say, hey. Yeah, we've got enough of that. We won. <laughs> right. Uh it's it's continuous. It's it's something you are always looking to improve on. And and again, and I always tell folks this, I don't do diversity and inclusion work for the sake of diversity and inclusion. I do diversity and inclusion work when when I talk about it for the sake of success because if you want to be the most successful team that you can be, these are the things that you need to do.
0: And can I can I, I I'm going to push back on one thing you said if you don't mind.
1: Please do. And
0: that's the word belonging. And this is my personal pet peeve. Go for it. Because this word belonging started at the top of the pandemic when companies were getting rid of their DEI departments. And they start putting this word belonging in because they didn't want diversity. And then after George Floyd, all of a sudden, you're seeing now diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. What the devil is that? Number <laughs> one, you don't a human being doesn't belong someone else doesn't decide where they belong. A book belongs in a library, right?
1: Right.
0: A human, you get to decide where you belong. It's a company's responsibility to build a culture of inclusivity. But if I decide I don't belong there, no matter how much you tell me I belong, if I know it's not the right place, I get to choose to step back out.
1: 100%.
0: And so we're using this word belonging of a company should make you feel belong. That's no, that's how I feel. That's not how you tell me I feel because you've decided you wanted to add that onto the top of a letterhead. Um, and so I just have this thing with the word belonging for us to examine how we're using it.
1: Yeah, no, and and on that point, I'll hundred percent agree. Uh, and, that, and that's exactly what you just said is exactly what I mean when I use the word belonging. Is nobody can tell you that you belong. They they have to make you. They have to create an environment where you can feel as if you belong. Yes, uh, yes. You shouldn't feel like you need to hide, mask, cover, do all those uh, those terms that we use for it to, to to fit in. If you want to come in with your head shaved and blaring your your Christian rap music. That's because you belong. You feel part of that culture, right?
0: Right. And I mean, look, and people go, well, we all have to wear a mask, depending on where we are, and that's called code switching. And I'm like, there's code switching when you're going to court, when you're going to church or temple or, you know, to the mosque. There's things that we all do as being presentable, right, and being respectful. But when you have to come in and completely change, try not to have an accent. How do you tell someone try not to have an accent? <laughs> um, when you have to change the tone for which you speak, because someone's going to call you aggressive if you get excited about something. I know someone, and you saw me, I mean, I get excited. I love life. I love speaking about this topic. It's who I am. It's what I do. And some people, oh, you're, you're, you're a little bit aggressive when you speak about it. No, you don't want to see me aggressive when I speak about it, because <laughs> then I'm going to call you on your madness. But what it is, is a passion that everyone has different levels. But when you can't walk into an office and feel that you can passionately even speak about your work because someone's going to say you're aggressive with it, that's problematic. Right. So, I, you know, I I will say that I was hired, you know, that, the, you know, those famous jobs that you say for a company, oh, if they ever called me, I'm in. And I was courted. I always say like we were dating for a year and a half and they were flying me here and they were coming to New York and it was all this stuff until they offered me the job. And they said, but you need to tone it down a bit when you come in. You're too knowledgeable on that topic. Mm. And we think that that staff is going to be a little bit, um, you know, put off. And I said, have you not been with me the last year and a half? (laughs) And they said, of course. Of course. I said, that was me toned down. That was interview, Leslie. What are you talking about? Tone it down. It only goes
1: up from here, right?
0: Yes. And I was like, no, thank you. So that dream job was not my dream job. It's not where I belong. And to this day, I'm so happy that I was smart enough to know who I am. That no matter how I thought that would be a great opportunity, it was definitely not the right opportunity.
1: And, and that piece, again, right there, that is the one thing that I really wish that more more people would grasp is, is uh, especially about the interview process, but just an organization in general. Everybody has this, uh, I'm using everybody as kind of a blanket generic term here. I know we shouldn't do that, but, uh, you know, a lot of people feel like the interview process is really for the employer to figure out whether or not they want to hire you. Mm-mm. You get to figure out whether you want to work for them, too, during that time frame.
0: And I say that every time when I'm working with companies, I'm like, be very clear. The person is interviewing you as well. Interviewing you, how you all react with each other, culture, everything.
1: Yep. 100%. It's
0: it's no longer the old-fashioned way, and I'm going to say old-fashioned way, of be grateful to get a job. Yeah. It is now, what are you offering as part of your entire outside of this check, what else are you offering? What are you giving? Who are the people that I'm expected to spend the majority of my day and sometimes part of my night with?
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and, and the other part of it is, and and correct me if I'm wrong here, because like hearing you talk about how, why you started some of your business is you're a perfect example of this. People don't, like you said, it's not about, you know, I, I'm, I'm honored to get this job. It's about hey, if I don't like what you're doing, I have access to a lot of, of tools now where I can do it better on my own. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yes. I mean, I started the cover group because I kept hearing diversity, equity, and inclusion thrown around like they, you know, trend buzzwords. And I was like, there are people attached to this. <laughs> yeah. And we have not, in all these conversations, we're not speaking about people. We're speaking about a label that we've decided to attach to that, that thing over there that has those arms or legs. If they are blessed enough to have those arms and legs, you know, we're Mm -hmm. not looking at human beings for who they are and their gifts, regardless of what degree that may be. But we love to throw these words around and say it doesn't work. Well, let me show you how it can work. And let me, let me work with you to shift your thought process. On how to approach building this as part of your foundation and not an add-on and a checkbox and an application.
1: Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And and that's the other thing too is and you you hit on it there is is a lot of folks act like diversity and inclusion and, and equity are 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 new. I mean, they're they're not. <laughs> uh, you spent time in Japan. Uh, uh, did did you ever hear uh, the 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 tales of Miyamoto Masashi?
0: Yes. <laughs> yeah.
1: And so you're familiar with the Book of Five Rings, right?
0: Yes, I am.
1: Yeah. So, and I'll point this out to people. This was, you know, 350, 400 years ago. And he has a passage in there where he talks about the, the way of the master carpenter. And he's talked about the the master carpenter, uh, what what makes them a master carpenter is that they they know how to use all of their material what pieces yeah. of wood uh, are great for support beans what pieces of wood are great for decorations and what pieces of wood are great for for building the fire to cook the meals and 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 that's what when I read that, that that's what I read in there. He's talking about diversity and inclusion, knowing your people, knowing what their strengths and weaknesses are, knowing how to use them and get the most out of them and put them in the places to succeed.
0: Yes, 100%. Yeah. You know what it, I loved about Japan? What was that? It, 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 that love and that hate. Everyone, if you weren't Japanese, this is the bad part, then you are gaijin. Right. They don't care where you are from. <laughs> You are a gaijin. You could be black. You could be purple. You could be green. You'd be Australian, American. They don't care. You're a gaijin. What it did, though, there is that separation, which is clearly not good. It brought the community together of gaijin. Mm-hmm. And so some of my closest friends are still from Australia and London and, uh, and all over because we had to figure out how to maneuver and live and succeed and work together. Yeah.
1: Yeah. A hundred percent. And I experienced that at two places in Japan and uh, I lived in, in remote Alaska, a little town called Bethel. And it was kind of the same way. If you weren't native, it didn't matter what you were. If you weren't native, you weren't native period. I mean, they even had a grocery store that was essentially natives only and uh, you know, I tell folks, I said, you know, you read about that type of stuff in in history books through the Civil Rights Movement and and Jim Crow laws. It's still that way out there, and you get a kind of a, a very small taste of what it was like uh, back then. But, yeah, no, you're 100% right. Um, you know, Leslie, uh, one of the things that, that you have in your book, one of the chapters— And again, folks, we haven't necessarily referenced it directly, but a lot of what we've been talking about here uh, is contained in Expand Beyond Your Current Culture. Uh, But you have a chapter in here that that I absolutely love, and I'd be remiss if I didn't bring this one up. Nothing about us without us. So let's talk about that for a second.
0: Well, that came from the disability community Mm -hmm. and from South Africa when um, they were building building something in again, not having the right people at the table. How are you building something for the disability community but no one from the disability community is there to help guide you? So, and then it became kind of the rallying cry here in America for African-Americans where you're building programs, right? No one asks, is that what you want or need in a community? You're just assuming that's what it should be. Same in corporate America when you're sitting at the table and here's affinity groups. This is my nerve. And, but you want to build all these affinity groups, but you didn't ask anyone, is that what you even want to have? I don't need to sit across from another black person and talk about my black issues. I need to have a, I need to have a a, a full conversation of everyone to see what the issues are and how can we shift and, and move those issues? How do we bring them to the people that Need to sign off on making that shift. I don't need to sit across the table and look at someone that looks like me always to have these conversations. And so you're, you're creating, you should never be creating advertising, PR, events, um, whatever it is for communities, for products, and, and don't have the proper people with value voices sitting at that table being able to share their knowledge with you. Stop trying to create something that you only know what's in a book about. When you have people that have the lived experience as well as the education and knowledge to share with you.
1: Yeah. And it'll help you avoid a lot of issues, right?
0: Will it ever? Because I'm really exhausted. I would like to post other things other than companies continually. You do something once, That's a oopsie mistake, right? Right. If you are a company that consistently, culturally disrespects cultures, that is a problem. And there are many companies that are on a, I don't know if it's for them, their PR mode. If we do this, we'll get press from it because they do. And then they get someone like me that writes about it and goes, are you kidding me? That you constantly, culturally, this is no longer a misstep. How are you, how, I don't understand at this point where we are in 20, what, 21, almost 2022. I don't know how that happened. That companies are still saying oopsie about how they're representing other cultures, other genders, language. I'm dumbfounded still. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, it is. It's 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 mind-boggling, and especially again, as as we talked about with with, you know, the ease of access. There there's a lot of folks that I mean, you know, you. I'm sure you're just a phone call away, right?
0: Just a phone call, email, smoke signal, send something. I, oh <laughs> I mean, my team and I at the cover group, we are here to help. <laughs>
1: Well, yeah, I mean, and I think that's the one thing again is, is, and, and, you know, I don't want to get all up in your business about, you know, pricing and stuff like that, but you know, you, you're great at what you do. I'm sure you don't come cheap, but that, that money that you spend on bringing somebody like, like Leslie and her group in, it's going to be a drop in the bucket compared to, I mean, think about this for a second. We, we saw this and I'll, I'll use uh, Starbucks as an example, right? They shut down every single starbucks in the country for an entire day to do i didn't sit through the training but i've heard that it was was not the best is the way i'll put it but they shut down every single starbucks for that day i can't even imagine how much money in revenue was lost in in that day compared to working with somebody like you that could have saved them, hopefully, from those types of mistakes. So I guess the point I'm trying to make here is, yeah, you can gamble. Uh, I I see it's like an insurance policy, right? You can gamble that it's not going to, to have to cash in. But if it does, you're putting your company in a lot of peril, right?
0: Yes. I always say you have two options. You can hire me or an agency like myself, right? I'm not the only one out there doing great work um and doing the work or you can do another line item for lawyer fees which way would you like to go i'm yeah. much more fun um you know I, I think i'm much more enjoyable to speak with for 90 minutes a week and ask this to me during the week than opposed to, 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 to hitting the clock with an attorney because you just didn't ask the right questions
1: yeah and it's that simple it's
0: really that simple it is. You know And ah. one training won't cut it.
1: Yes. Thank you. Thank you. And I don't even you, like to say you.
0: trainings. I say workshops because you train the an animal, you don't train human beings. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. No, well said. Uh, 100% well said. I mean, that's the thing is like, you know, again, when I come in, people expect me to, you know, sit down and, and lay out this training and, and magically be changed. It's like, no. <laughs> We we gotta we gotta go put the work in and we gotta make this systemic. Uh, it's systemic issues that got us here. It's systemic issues and behaviors that'll get us out of it, right?
0: Absolutely, and I love that you said magic because I'm always like, this is not magic, people. I'm not magical. I'm not the unicorn with the shiny horn. Uh, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. I wish. That I would wish. Make things a lot easier. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. No, this, is, this has been a great conversation, Leslie. I really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, we've been chatting here for a little over 45 minutes here and, and we've we've covered a lot of ground. And, and I just, I know my listeners have gotten a lot out of this. And I know that they're going to go out and they're going to buy uh, a copy of Expand Beyond Your Current Culture because it's, it's an important read. Uh, but is there anything that we didn't get a chance to cover that you'd like to leave listeners with?
0: I just say, as you're doing this work, as you're thinking about it, don't overthink it. Just say, what do I have to add to this conversation? And if I don't, if you don't feel like you have something to add, what can I learn so that I can add to the conversation? And start it from there and continue to build. Because I think people get, sometimes get overwhelmed with the feeling the pressure of having to do something. You should be doing something. But figure out what you can do that can be sustainable, that you can be responsible for, and that you can commit to.
1: No, I love that, and 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 you know, just kind of piggyback on that is, don't be afraid. Uh, you know, th- these conversations and and making these changes and and having that level of humility and 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 just opening yourself up to to knowing what you don't know, and understanding what you've messed up and how you need to improve. It is scary. I mean, it is extremely scary. And sometimes it's sometimes it's that, uh, uh, that fear that causes us to make bigger mistakes where if we just overcame that fear and had the necessary conversations, included the right people. I love that, uh, you know, nothing about us without us. If we include the right people and, and open ourselves up, we can save ourselves a lot of headache and heartache. So I love that. Yes. I love thanks. that. So Leslie... Yes. Folks want to go grab a copy of the book. Uh, they want to find out more about the Kavu Group. They want to find out more about you. What is a great place for them to do that?
0: Amazon's a great place um, to pick up the book, expand beyond your current culture. And for the Kavu Group, um, the website is www.thekavugroup.com in a C A V U group. And you have to put the. Because otherwise, you're going to get a construction company, and that's not my specialty. But so it is <laughs> the Cagu Group. Love it. And then I'm on all social media under the Cagu Group.
1: Love it. All right. Well, Leslie, again, thank you very much for spending this time with me and my listeners, and having this great conversation with us on the Responsible Leadership Podcast.
0: It has been wonderful speaking with you. I look forward to speaking with you again. I love the work that you're doing, and uh, let's all let's all stay focused
1: Alright all right, folks, there you have it. Another great show about responsible leadership. I really appreciate you listening. And if you have any feedback for me, please reach out at earl at leadership phalanx.com. That's E-A-R-L at leadership, dot com. Thank you for rating, reviewing, subscribing, and sharing the show so these messages can spread further and make a bigger impact. With that, I look forward to speaking with you again in the next episode.
0: Today is working for me. Do you believe that for yourself? Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement, inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement, where I unpack living a faith-filled life. I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too, so I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on ElectroCast and any platform where you listen to your podcast. ElectroCast. Welcome to Sarah Talk Solutions. Ladies and gentlemen, you've tuned into a bit of a different type of show. I'm Sara B. and I'm your host. You can find me on my IG, which is Aussie underscore Sara underscore L A. I talk about amazing, relevant conversations and topics and what functions that goes on in this magical, wonderful, wonderful city of the City of Angels. My IG, which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA.